Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Perth to Paisley podcast discussing the ever-disappointing Heart and Midlothian Football Club. The Jambos have won just two of their last nine matches in Scotland's second tier after churning out another pathetic performance in a dire draw, nil-nil with Dunfermline, a stalemate at East End Park. I am one of your hosts, Adam Kennedy, and I'm joined by Daniel McIver as per usual. How are we doing this week, Daniel? Oh, it's, it's going great. Everything to do with this football club is utterly fantastic. And I'm delighted to be here discussing, as you said, an absolutely dreadful no-no. And let's just peel back the curtain immediately. We don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know how we're going to drag the arse out of this. But we're going to try because we've got some help. Well said. Um, Obviously, we're delighted that we've managed to secure this guest once again. Not only was he the first non-Hearts supporter to appear on the podcast... He's obviously the first person making his second appearance on Perth to Paisley. My five friend, Dunfermline Athletic diehard, Cammy Anderson. Cameron, are you delighted to be back on a Hearts-related podcast to chat about your beloved pars? I mean, I think if the game wasn't as terrible as it was, I would have been a bit happier. But obviously, buzzing to speak to the Paleys as always. So I hopefully we managed to, to stretch what was, I mean, a really, really dull game. If we managed to get this past 10 minutes, I think we'll be doing well. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say 10 minutes because I've got to give props to the Pars for dragging out nine minutes worth of highlights, given, like you say, it was total dross. And having seen the Arbroath highlights recently on Hearts TV, they lasted for 90 seconds. So, I mean, you're doing better than that. But I, I just hate when Hearts do this to me. It's just like, just because I slate them every week doesn't mean they have to save an even worse performance than usual and even less action for me to discuss as host. But if you do want to chat Hearts, occasionally with Daniel and I, uh, probably doing a better job of it than me, by by all means, then you can, courtesy of Big Hearts, talk to the tune calls. Now, you should know the script by now, but if you're still lost, you can head on over to bighearts.co.uk and find the Talk of the Tune programme on there. Um, I was in a call last Tuesday night, seeing what's become a regular community on Zoom, but uh, the guys are obviously great fun, a good laugh, and very welcoming. So if you fancy a gab about the Gorgate, then get yourselves involved. Of course, we are here to discuss the lack of action. Um, Cami, after probably the worst week in living memory supporting Hearts, Robbie Nielsen spoke about needing to sort of take it on the chin and wanting to get back to winning ways. As an outsider, what have you made of Hearts and their collapse in the past month or so? Because the last fortnight in particular, given the broader defeat, it's been absolute torture for the pair of us. I mean, it's made me feel a bit better about Pars' form, seeing the kind of runaway league leaders absolutely shitting themselves. And, I mean, I, I've got to admit, I found the kind of raging Hearts fans under every single tweet. It is quite funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's bizarre. I, I just can't really pinpoint why uh, he's a collapsed completely. Obviously, that fantastic start. And very similar, I think I mentioned when I was on the podcast earlier on in the season, Nielsen's done the United team, raced at the box and just fell off a cliff come Christmas time and it's been pretty much the same for Hearts just haven't really turned up in the league for, what, the best part of about three months now and I mean granted they've not really had to do much they've, they've been clear for a long, long time and I mean that's what, one or two wins away from wrapping the title up but I mean this certainly isn't the way that I think either you or Daniel were expecting and I'm saying just you pair, I think the whole Hearts fan base were expecting a 27 game unbeaten season, winning every game 6-0, but I mean, it's been absolutely atrocious in recent weeks, and 
Aye, it's, it's just weird. I think you, you pair are going to certainly be glad that there's only four games left this season. It's done and over and done with then, and then you're back where ultimately you deserve to be, whether the team that he's currently have will be the team that he's largely field next season. I'm not too sure, and whether the manager will even be the same one, but at least it was kind of, I think as you would have all hoped, it was the one season you've got the job done. It's not been pretty, but yeah, you're really going to, I mean, I'm saying you're really going to complain. That's all Hearts fans have done for the past six months, but I mean, yeah, I think Hearts are, are going to just be glad to see the back of the championship. I think the championship, once again, this season has shown that it is absolutely mental. You're not going to uh, be able to guess anything. And yes, Hearts have kind of ran away with it. But even still, it's not been quite as comfortable as you'd maybe think. Obviously, I think it's, what, 11 points now currently separating Hearts and Rafe in second. Rafe, I think, have a game in hand. But, I mean, yes, it's still a decent enough gap. But aye, I think Hearts still will obviously win the league at in the next week or two and aye that'll be that and he's will quickly forget this season hopefully for your sake anyway I think for me I'm sort of looking at you touched on Nielsen's United team there I think I'm realising just how dependent they were on Lauren Shankland at some at some points to actually dig them out that, that grave um, I mean the, the Brora defeat is one that's obviously uh, this is where the frustration comes from with the cup competitions What's what's the worst Dunfermline defeat ever? Is it Hafna Fjordor? Like, are hearts as hopeless as Hafna Fjordor? I mean, I think I'd probably say the, the worst defeat in recent memory was the match last Tuesday when they got pumped off Ray 5 1. That was that was some laugh. Um, I mean, yeah, Hafna Fjordor was pretty embarrassing. BK Hacken was also pretty embarrassing because they were absolutely nobodies at the time. Well, I, who even knows BK Hacken and Hafna Fjordor? And there's me just enraged the. HMFC Sweden and uh, Icelandic <laughs> divisions, but listen, there were nobodies in the pars. Were obviously quite a good team at that time, and obviously got multiple cup finals. And yeah, I think the expectation at the time was certainly that we were going to beat these minnows. But but yeah, there's there's been some honking results for the pars, and yeah, as I say, that that one just last week was definitely the worst in, in recent memory. Anyway, you know it's bad when I hadn't even heard of Hafna Fjord until you mentioned them to me as a result of that back in college, but. <laughs> Daniel, Robbie spoke of the broader defeat and the Queen's loss as disappointments, or as a collective disappointment in his pre-match presser. Um, he spoke about us being 10 points clear coming into, the, obviously, the clash with Dunfermline. Previously, it was 16. <laughs> it became 13. Um, he's mentioned the good things that have happened this season. Are you remaining as upbeat as he is? Because with every passing week... I'm struggling to see these so-called positives, if I'm honest. It's going to get to the point where on the final day we need to go to Starks and get a win. It's like, listen, we're a point ahead. It's fine, we're still a point ahead. It doesn't matter. It's all in our hands. Exactly. You're your own destiny. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, listen, it's become a theme of these podcasts that people have noticed when I don't host them, I'm a bit more emotional, apparently. That's apparently a thing. Um, and I'm kind of leaning into that now because I ju- when I saw his comments, and again, we've made it very clear, I don't give a shit what managers and players say in the press because it's all bollocks. But I know that a lot of our fan base and most fan bases do. So when I saw that from her, I was like, Robbie, you're really only helping yourself here, mate. Like, I get it. We have had positives in the sense of, as Cammy mentioned... We've never really looked like we're not going to win the league in terms of the points total. If you watch us every week, you'd say they're no winning the week. But in terms of the actual points total, we've never had anybody challenging us 
that have actually kept up with us. Dunfermline did at the start of the season, then Wraith have done recently, but they've both done it in a way that they've not picked up points where we've dropped them. But there is no point. You can't make positives there now. Because as we said last week, and as everybody has been saying from the Hearts perspective, the minimum expectation this year was to win this league. Now, Cami was right. There is definitely, there was definitely, sorry, a area section number of Hearts fans who will go, if we don't win every game this season, it's a failure. If we don't have it won by Christmas, it, even if that's not even mathematically possible, it's a failure. Blah, blah, blah. But the majority of Hearts fans, I'd say, were going, right, we should be winning this league. So therefore, we're going to look to the Cups as a potential outlet of success or we just hope it's like last time in the sense of we want to be entertained when we're doing it we want to potentially see some youth players come through that haven't featured very prominently yet and none of that has happened obviously the big two results have been knocked out the cup by Alloa in the league cup and then knocked out by Brora in the Scottish cup so you go right okay they're gone and then the stat that I saw this week was that we haven't fielded a single player in the league under 21 at all there has been zero minutes for someone under the age of 21 in the league now yes Scott McGill has played in the Cups twice and I wish that was much more than what I'm playing in the league but that's ridiculous like what is going on I, I mean it is, it is a big frustration of mine and, and it has been for a little while because when you look at it Craig Gordon Andy Irving and Christoph Berra's cameos they're the sort of only academy graduates that seem to obviously gain first team um, minutes and two of them are in their mid-30s but Cammy, obviously Daniel touched on the cup competitions there um, Dunfermline, I think you were knocked out the Betfred by the eventual winner St Johnston, that right? Yeah, lost to them on penalties which, I mean when you lose to the eventual winners I guess you can't be too sad, I think we did play quite well on that night, we were not in too good form at the time. That was kind of around the time we started falling off. We'd been beaten by Morton just a few days before, and then that's kind of when wheels kind of fell off. And yeah, I mean, we kind of reacted well. Obviously, took them to extra time, and about two seconds into extra time, they scored. And it was like, right, there we go. Granted, we managed to get, an, get we'll get an equaliser, but then yeah, the penalty shoot was just an absolute shambles. And then, as you say, knocked out the cup, uh, the Scottish Cup by Morton once again on penalties, and yeah, just embarrassing it was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen in my life the, the Pars Morton games obviously for the, those of you who maybe recognise me from the Pure Championship pod my co-host and I Chris we, we always kind of big this up as the Pure Championship derby and it is possibly in the worst fixture in, in Scottish football about five times this season because we, we've bigged it up all the time it is honking and it's just I think it goes kind of for the whole league granted that the most recent meeting was in the cup but Aside from yourselves, but I mean, I guess you could probably include yourselves. I think this has actually been a really poor championship this season. A lot of people will mm-hmm. maybe go, ah, well, it's fantastic. You've got Rafe Rovers on 36 and uh, others are kind of close by. There's only a few points in it and it's great. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of say it's been great because there's just so many teams that have been absolutely honking and nobody can really overtake anyone. It's... Yes, it's, it's been really poor as much as you'd think it would maybe be fantastic given the Championship's reputation of just being an absolute clusterfuck of a league, if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, of well, course. That's, exa- that, that's exactly what I was going to ask you because, I mean, 
I'm not going to ask you whether Wraith Rovers have had a decent season because everyone else has been shocking. What I was going to ask you was, has that been kind of the biggest frustration that when Hearts have picked up a shocking result, as has been the case quite frequently recently, that Dunfermline and your Dundee's Wraith Rovers haven't been able to capitalise? Or are you just thinking, we'll settle for playoffs and then whatever happens, happens? I mean, I think all three of the clubs you just mentioned, the goal would have been probably playoffs and no Wraith Rovers just came up and Chris and I very wrongly said they'd go right back down. But to be fair, we, we didn't know much about them. We followed the championship. We're not following League One. And yeah, Wraith have taken, I think, everyone by surprise. And they've kind of... I mean, I was going to I was going to say they've signed well ahead of next season. They've picked up a few bodies. They started well by signing Tam Lang from Clyde. And then things have just got a bit progressively worse. James <laughs> Keaton's... Just on James Keaton's... And, and, and then, and then Berra, it's, Hearts it's rejects. Bit, like, for a defence that has less mobility than a, than a rock in Davidson and Benedictus. To then bring in Christoph Berra, who I don't think has moved more than about five metres in the past about four seasons. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's odd. And yeah, I think all three teams will probably be kicking themselves that they never managed to capitalise on hearts in their kind of poor form. But I think ultimately the poor forms come too, li- too little too late for the others to kind of capitalise on it. But I think certainly, I've, I've said it so many times, there could have definitely been a title race when you look at how Hearts have kind of collapsed. Every other team just collapsed a few weeks before, and thank well, thankfully for your sake, Hearts Hearts hadn't by that time. And yeah, it's just I don't think there's been a team in the Championship who you could say has had a has had a really fantastic season. Everyone's just kind of had one or two reruns, and it's just been yeah, complete kind of free fall for a lot of clubs. Inverness have also kind of picked up in recent weeks, and that that was something I didn't really see happening, but. But yeah, it's a, it's a really odd one. But just speaking solely on my pars, I think if we do manage to make the playoffs, it'll be nothing short of a miracle. And that's promotion playoffs, not the relegation one. Because if we end up in them, I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised. Um, Daniel, you go along with that? Yeah, basically, I think I think I was spot on when you mentioned there that, yes, it has been exciting, but a lot of that hasn't been down to the bloody hell, there's about six teams in this league who could do really well. It's more, bloody hell, there's about seven teams in this league that could all go down. Like, the quality has been so up and down. Because as you say, listen, Wraith, on some occasions, have beaten us at home, have beaten you in the Fife Derby in very dominant fashion, and then in other times, they've been beaten off Alloa, dropped points to our broth, been battered off us. Like... No one can form any form of consistency. And as you say, the only reason that we've been so clear is that up until the Dundee game on the 2nd of January, we were reasonably consistently getting results every single week. A lot of the performances weren't up to the level that many Hearts fans wanted them to be. However, we were consistently not losing. And that alone was enough. And we just never drew, actually. We went to like game 19 without drawing or something like that whereas like you lot Cammy, just went through a period where you had like as many draws as wins yeah I mean it was atrocious that kind of Christmas kind of New Year spell was what was hard watching the pars and granted the past few weeks haven't been much better but yeah it's just it's been so disappointing when you consider how, how we started the season it did look like we could have perhaps challenged hearts at least at least further than we ultimately did. We obviously went top when we beat you back in November. And that's, I mean, I said that uh, Morton game just after Christmas was where the wheels fell off. But 
ultimately we peaked far too early. We we beat Hughes and it was all yes, we can really do this. And then the likes of Dom Thomas, he's done nothing since. And it's like it's it's difficult. Obviously, we managed to bring in Craig White and from yourselves in January, he's managed to score a few goals and it's been good. But just there's been far too many players whose early season form just is non-existent now. And yeah, it's just as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up in the in the relegation playoffs because it's we're in complete freefall. And obviously, we'll, we'll get on to discuss the game uh, from the weekend and the very limited action in that. But the pars, I, I think I said to Adam a few times when we were texting back and forth. I, I, just, I said to him, I couldn't see us picking up points in any of our like next three heading into that kind of three of Dundee, Rafe and Hearts. The fact we got one point was, was a miracle. I was I was going to say, it's a tough trio and obviously the, the Dundee result's bound to be a disappointment, but of course nothing is as damning as the, the Fife Derby defeat, Cammy. Uh, Dunfermline making four changes heading into their, their clash with Hearts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um I, I was amazed that there's a big Lithuanian that somehow avoided Gorgi has come in to start. The big centre-half. What, what's his name? Gazbelitas Gaspuitas. Well, I think yeah, that's but... how we're pronouncing it. I've, I've not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I've heard so many Gaspuitas, Gaspuitas, and ah, whatever. Of course not. I'm, I'm going with, with Big Vitas. Anyway, he, he, Aye, came, that's in easy to, way. he came in to start the centre-half. Uh, Lewis Mayo moving into midfield. Ian Wilson and Dom Thomas, obviously you alluded to him earlier, the match winner the last the last time that the two teams met in the kingdom came into midfield and Declan McManus came into partner Kevin O'Hara given Craig Whiten's um, ineligibility. What were you thinking once you saw that lineup? Because to me, it appeared pretty attacking on paper. Well, I mean, when you consider Tuesday's lineup and the lineup that had no idea what they were even doing, so much so that Josh Edwards had to get a bit of paper and he still had no idea what he was doing. We had fullbacks playing in centre mid. We had, uh, honestly, it was... If, I think that would be the kind of thing that the SFA would show in their coaching courses, like, this is not how you coach a game. Like, the first, well, I'm saying the first however long, just the whole thing was a complete shambles. Just, we changed system, we had five at the back, three at the back, and four at the back, 16 at the back, honestly. It was just, I don't think anyone had any idea what was going on, and we were well beaten. I think as as much as we were poor, Rafe Rovers deserve a great deal of credit, because they were... Good Absolutely sensational, and when you consider it was only about five or six weeks ago that we battered them 4-1, I definitely could well, I'm saying I couldn't have seen this coming. Based on recent form, yeah, I probably could have seen it coming, but not quite like this, because this was, I mean, yeah, without a doubt, the worst performance we've seen from the Pars this season and, and in recent seasons, it was just embarrassing. Nothing worked. We just didn't bother, and I mean, I think many after the game thought, right, that's it for Crawford. And the fact he got Saturday's game, everyone's like, oh, no, here we go again. We'd already shipped eight goals in the two previous games. I was expecting to ship several more. And the fact we managed to keep creating a clean sheet and, I mean, really, he didn't do much. I think Liam Boyce had a header saved by Fawn Williams, but I think that was really it in terms of chances. I was like, oh, like, kind of, oh, that was a, a decent chance for Hearts. But other than that, I think we kind of limited you to scraps and, not that it was difficult, it was certainly better than, than Tuesday night. And I mean, I think it, I, before the game, it would have taken a point. But when you consider how the game went, as much as we've already discussed in the podcast, how little action there was, when you consider the better the chances in this match fell to the Pars, you think Scott Banks had a chance early doors, um, Kevin O'Hara had one as well, Big Vitas at the bar, you and Murray had a free header as well that Craig Gordon saved really well. and. I mean, we could have won this one by a few, despite not playing that well. Um, so, yeah, it is frustrating. But again, 
we've taken four points from nine against Hearts this season. I think I, I'd have signed up for that at the start of the season, but yeah, it's just it's a, it's a, it's an annoying one, kind of considering how the game went. Have you been looking at my notes as to what I'm going to ask you? <laughs> I have no idea. Because <laughs> genuinely, I'm just scratching out material as we as we go on. But Daniel, I'll I'll of course turn to you. Um, the mighty Jam Tarts resorted back to a dreaded four-two-three-one after defeat to the Dunhamers. Um The best goalkeeper in the country came back between the sticks. Michael Smith also returned, given his international exploits with Northern Ireland. He had Shea Logan making his debut obviously then playing the full 90 after his arrival from Aberdeen. Um, Andy Halliday pulled his quad in training. I was informed on Twitter, but then Robbie said it was a thigh problem, and thus Big Pete came in for him. And your wee mate Ewan Henderson was rewarded with a start at uh, Armand Nandwili's expense. So five changes in total. Would it be fair to say that those were expected heading into our clash with the powers? Yes. Uh, I agreed with four of the changes. What, right, listen, I understand that Ewan Henderson deserved his start. I knew this would be the one that you'd disagree right, with. I, you'd want to see Vignando up with voice, same as me. Of course, because why yeah. would you drop him? <laughs> why would you drop the only signing apart from Craig Gordon that's been good this season? Why would you drop <laughs> the guy who has played nine games, scored five, set up two, and had one wrongly disallowed? That is... That is mental. And then he came on in the last 20 minutes and Dunfermline didn't know what to do with him. They had their massive Lithuanian and for some reason never got him to mark Nandwili. Ever. I couldn't believe that either. I couldn't he, believe that He either. marked but Popescu. I, I thought he pocketed Boyce really well. I actually thought, sorry to me, I thought that Big Vitas was probably their man of the match, to be honest. Didn't I thought he was very good. A few, a few opportunities, but I carry did, on, sorry. I did think he was very good. Um, however... I, listen, I do get why Ewan Henson deserves a start. He's come off the bench twice and has looked like a football player, so therefore is better than whoever he had replaced. But it was just another time where Ewan Henderson's cut started a game and has done nothing during a game. However, the four other changes I really agreed with. Craig Gordon, I don't need to say anything about him because he's the best goalie in the country, as you said. Without him, would be seventh. Michael Smith coming in. It's just like having your dad come home. You just feel safer. You just feel like, all right, okay, we're no going to be awful. We just might be quite bad. Shay Logan, <laughs> we gave Shay Logan a whole load of shit on the podcast. Oh, we'll come to that. We'll come to right, that. we'll come to that. And then Peter Herring, for me, apart from Gordon and Logan, was the biggest positive of the game because Herring looked like Peter Herring again, which was amazing to see he just looked calm he was dispossessed a couple of times but for the majority of the game he was just controlling everybody he was just kind of discussing like basic things that need to happen in a football game and we've not really had anyone do that at all and it it just felt lovely Cammy, obviously, Daniel and I, like we say, have uh, have given Shea... Well, it's probably more so me has given the signing of Shea Logan some stick, but you were obviously very disrespectful as well, um, given you said, and I quote, mad to think days ago Vitas was playing against Immobile, Barela, Donnarumma, and now he's up against Shea Logan. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> 
I was just about to bring that up because when you were mentioning Vitas, I was about to say, no wonder he done such a good job against Boyce when he was... But yeah, I mean, as you say, the fact he wasn't on Nandwe, Nandwe was quite an odd one, but I felt kind of near the end of the game when, I mean, as I said, he didn't have many chances, but he did kind of come into it near the end and I was like, right, here we go, this is the pars typical, we're going to get punished for, for not taking those chances early doors. But, I mean, yeah, Vitas, I think the change was absolutely necessary after after Tuesday night's game where we were atrocious, obviously, as I said, eight goals over the two previous games. I mean, he needed a defensive change and for a first kind of start in a in a pars jersey, kind of came in during January, I think he's only played once once before uh, this one. Didn't really get to see much in the previous one, but yeah, absolutely solid in this one and hopefully um, we see more of him because I think he's signed up for the next two and a bit years um, Plenty of rumours that you and Murray, the club captains, away in the summer, um, out of contract. He's out of contract, so, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, tons say. of like rumours about Aberdeen, and I mean, if Aberdeen sign him, good luck Aberdeen. Is <laughs> all I'm going to say because I think a lot there was a lot said about you and Murray, and I, I was one of his big, huge fans at the start of the season. Obviously, the Dom Tom connection at corners was basically cheating every single game. It just seemed to be Dom Tom corner or cross into the box. You and Murray heads in goal, and yeah, it was easy. And then. You and Murray, I think a lot of people see the goal record and go, right, he's really good, we should bring him in. But people forget he's not scored in months. It's like it, it made him look really good early on. But And then his defence, granted, it's not the only, like, sorry, it's, there's not only one man who makes up the defence, but the whole kind of defence has been suspect for a while. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be too sad to see him go now, having kind of seen him perform for the majority of the season, unlike the start of the season. That's interesting because I, I think I tapped him up as a sort of potential signing for us, obviously on that pre-contract. Um, given given I've, I've said we've been in need of defensive recruits for a while, I, I wanted to get more about the the big Lithuanian. Where on earth did you get him? Well, he came. I think it was kind of on a recommendation from a a former kind of Lithuanian defender, Andres Skerla. Um, obviously, he played with Crawford uh, during one of his spells at the club and. I think we've all, the Pars have always kind of said we'll not leave any stone unturned when it comes to recruitment, but I, I don't quite think we expected to bring in some random Lithuanian boy from the Lithuanian top flight. And as I say, I think it was maybe just a wee recommendation from from Skerla. I know Vitas certainly mentioned Skerla in his interview and kind of just said, oh, we'd, we'd spoken about what it's like and stuff. But I mean, that's the kind of random sign and kind of like your phase I back to you a few seasons ago where you pull them out of nowhere and they go into kind of become a cult hero just because uh, completely random in Scottish football I mean I guess it's different for Hearts who've had a fair share of foreigners and Lithuanians but for like a club like the Pars it's very rare that we've got any non-British players and in most cases any non-Scottish players so yeah to bring in a, a Lithuanian out of nowhere and one who's like 6'4 or 6'5 he's a man mountain and as you said I kind of recall in my comment He's a Lithuanian international as well. Granted, Lithuania aren't the most fantastic nations, but when you consider some of the players he's up against, I mean, you can only be too happy with the fact that he's playing against the likes of your Immobiles who are scoring 20, 30 goals in Serie A each season. I mean, I think that's that's fantastic. We've got him signed up for the next two and a half seasons. Obviously, that was starting January, so about two se- just over two seasons left now. And I mean, yeah, fingers crossed it works out, but certainly the early showings from him are, are very promising. 
What are you trying to say about the Lithuania national team? One of our club legends is a is a or was a former Lithuania defender. Fucking most of our starting eleven three about ten years ago <laughs> was the starting eleven for the Lithuania national team. Oh, see what Gary was on about the scout there. I, I was expecting some recommendation from Vladimir Romanov. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, if we do talk about the action, that first half made for for grim viewing from a Hearts perspective. Um, I thought Aaron McInef had the first real half chance with a team effort straight at Oline Fawn Williams, but Cammy Scott Banks, on loan from Crystal Palace, spawns a glorious opportunity to put the hosts ahead following a perfectly weighted Declan McManus through ball, and I actually thought McManus had a really good game. Um, but what a chance to break the deadlock. How gutted were you when you saw that sail past the post? would say I'm surprised, but I'm not. It's just kind of been the way things have been for the Pars. We miss our chances. We typically get get punished for it. And I think if, if it had fallen to kind of your McManus or your Kevin O'Hara, I think we could have been looking at a different story. Of course, Kevin O'Hara later had a chance, but certainly a bit more difficult. Banks had kind of got through on goal kind of on his own, really. The Hearts defender wasn't too close to him. And it was kind of a bit later on as well. We had Josh Edwards, a left back, get into a really good position. And I mean, it's just one of those where you think, why can't that be a striker or someone a bit more attacking than your fullback who's I don't think he's ever scored in his life. And yeah, it's just obviously you can't always plan for these things. Players make runs and, and all that. And I think, yeah, we, we probably could have been two, if not three, up in that first half, as boring as, and as terrible as it was, as we said, the power's done a fantastic job of making it look a bit more exciting because just for large spells, I, I just completely zoned out and it's I've said on a recent Pure Championship podcast, it's gotten to be a bit of a chore watching the Pars. And obviously, I love the Pars. will always be there every week. Also, when we can get back, I'll always watch the stream and whatnot. But it just, it, there's just a complete disconnect, I feel. It's just whether that's just because it's watching on the screen rather than actually being there at the game. It's just, it just doesn't feel the same. But to like miss the chances, I think just given the whole kind of mood at the club at the moment, I think... As I said earlier on, many were expecting Crawford to be away and then to, for, for him to then be there on the bench on Saturday. I think everyone was just a bit like, oh dear, here we go again. And I think everyone was just hoping to, to not be embarrassed. And thankfully we weren't embarrassed. And as I said, I think it was a much better performance on Tuesday night. And I, I think now it's a case of whether we can actually kick on and build on this. Have we had our bad run of form? And can we get kind of results starting with air, uh, air away on Saturday? But I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I doubt it. This is a team who are just in free fall. We look lost. We just it's it's such a shame considering how how well it started. And you look at the team and even taking my past specs off, there's players in here. Granted, probably none would get in the Hearts team. You'd maybe say Scott Banks could get in that Hearts team um, if we're if we're going to be if we're going to be honest. Couple uh, talented players, mate. Yeah. Fucking all of them could get in at this stage. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. It's a good squad. It's just Crawford hasn't managed to get the best out of them, and you want to see him do well. But yeah, I think I think obviously he's haven't asked me this yet. But if it, if it's going to come up, I may as well say it. I, I don't think Crawford will be there next season, and I'd, I'd like to say I, I'd hope he's not either because I think with us kind of having a squad that's mainly made up of low knees and players with deals up at the end of the season. The players that have kind of got left over make an interesting core and I think that would be a perfect kind of place for a new manager to come in. Crawford's had, well, two and a half seasons now, granted the first one he had that 
kind of shit show of a team put together by AJ who just completely down tools and then in the second season last season it was obviously cut short due to COVID and things were going quite well but again we, we completely collapsed and ultimately missed out on the playoffs not that they were played or whatever and then um, this season yeah it's just been kind of downhill for, for months and months now That's It's intriguing when you talk about a, a disconnect with the club I mean Welcome to our world, mate. Um, <laughs> Daniel Hartz then responded after the the banks missed with a with an opportunity of their own. Aaron McInnes hits one on the spin. I could not believe for the life of me that he didn't slip Shea Logan in as he was overlapping on the right. Firstly, I, I'm delighted that's the case given I slated him, and secondly, I was gonna I was very tempted to cover it with a first goal scorer bet to cover sort of the egg on my face that would then happen. Um, but would it be fair to say that he was perhaps our best performer over the 90 minutes, Shea Logan? Um, his first full match, I think, since August, I believe. Over the 90 minutes, I'd say, yeah. Craig Gordon was probably our best player in terms of what he meant to the game. But, look, I was about to say there, when you were when you were describing it, I was like, I have no idea what moment you're talking about because we created nothing all game apart from the header that... Boyce created that Cammy mentioned earlier in terms of a chance that you go that was actually a goal scoring opportunity however you then mentioned Logan's run and I do hey, hey Logan's run no one will get that reference it's a film it's a good film that should be a thing why haven't the hearts Twitter done that photoshopped them into Logan's run see this is why I should be the Twitter it'd be much better anyway he was so good he was so good, and it was one of those performances that go, that's not going to happen in three games. Because it's what happened with Aaron McInef, where he came in, he's not in the bubble yet of despair that is Heart of Midlothian. So he's coming yeah. in, yeah, exactly. So he's coming in with ambition, with desire, going, I know what kind of player I am, this will be great. He was getting the ball for deep, driving forward, creating chances. Three games later... Aaron McInef gets the ball, turns around, has potential of space to move into, but turns around and plays it back to Herring for most of that game. Shea Logan currently, in that whole 90 minutes, he was constantly looking forward, constantly making forward passes, only went backwards or, or horizontal when he absolutely had to, was making great runs. In three games when we play Inverness, he'll just be tucking in, playing it backwards to Halkett and moving back, because that's what seems to happen now. When you come here, you lose all form of flair, potential, attacking mindset, and just go into your shell. These The 4-2-3-1 just envelops you and makes you feel sad. And just... I, I will, that is the one positive. That Shea Logan made us look like fucking idiots. Because he was, he was really good. And if he's like that for the remaining four games, I'll be delighted and... Now with the injury... T- Maybe this was the plan. Robbie knew A.D. White was going to get hurt. So therefore, he was like, right, see, now I've got cover. Because now, especially with White being hurt, I haven't heard how severe the injury is, but it's cover. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he alluded to it that Andy Halliday should be back, so I don't know where Great. he'll come in. Oh, that's fucking but, riveting. Well, no, no, I was going to say he might come in at left-back for, uh, for Alloa, but... Yeah, that's fair. You obviously mentioned McInef there. Cammy was talking about it earlier, sort of this kind of square pegs and round holes, isn't it? I mean, we seem to be the, the best at that, but Cammy, if the Scott Banks miss was a warning, 
then Declan McManus robbing Andy Irving and slipping in Kevin O'Hara probably should have been Hearts' wake-up call. Were you perhaps surprised that the Pars getting that much joy down the right-hand side? Because as far as my eye could see, countless times it was that exact sort of attack in behind the aforementioned A.D. White. As, I mean, you, you mentioned Dom Thomas there. He seems to have gone off the boil, but had wing play been like a key theme of your guys' season? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part we have ten tended to, I don't think that sounds right, but I'll roll with it anyway, put the ball down the wings and try and kind of work it in from there. And I mean, it's a bit weird. I can't recall us scoring many headers. We did score a header in the defeat against Rafe Rovers. Banks putting it in for O'Hara to head in well. And I mean, given O'Hara's recent form, he's scored a few since he's kind of come into the starting lineup. I was expecting him to, to put this one away. And yeah, I, I think that, that was certainly a should have been a wake-up call for Hearts and then as I mentioned earlier on there was that Josh Edwards miss as well it's just it's it's an annoying one because when you're playing the kind of league leaders this is a game where you win this and it gives you such confidence yes we're miles away like miles behind you it's what 15-16 points um, so yeah if, if you look at it that way maybe Robbie Nielsen's right you do have a 15-16 point gap but over 4th or 5th place but yeah we'll, we'll not let that get in the way of the narrative but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was a game that I think could have really, really kind of changed the remainder of the season for the Pars. We've got a, about a handful of games left, and I think had we won this one, it could have really turned things on in their head and really helped us kind of push for the playoffs. But we're currently sitting in them at the moment, but whether we're in them at the end of the season, as I say, I'm, I am doubtful. Obviously, in, in a lacklustre first half, Daniel Hearts. I'd... Created obviously very little. I just felt as though we looked to sort of make our set pieces count in the rare opportunities that we got. Um, there was a chance that Liam Boyce had, not the one that Cammy mentioned, the header from the GMS cross that came in the second half. But there was an Andy Irving corner sort of taken short with a one-two, and I felt as though oh, he could have perhaps done a bit better because he evaded his marker. Would you go along with that, or was that a bit harsh considering he's sort of coming at it from an angle? I think it's a wee bit harsh. He probably should hit the target because he puts it wide. Eh? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, he probably should hit the target, but he is, as you say, coming out at a weird angle. But the first half was just, for me, summarised by the fact, as we've mentioned, Dunfermline had like two or three, almost, you'd almost describe them as sitters. I know you can never really describe a, like open play, run and move a sitter. But there were massive chances that they didn't even put on target. We... We didn't even come close to one of those chances in the first half. And it's like, listen, there is an there is a narrative around us as a fan base, and part of it is justified that we're arrogant, that we think that, for God's sake, it's a championship. As Cammy mentioned at the start of this, we should be winning 6-0 every week. I'm not of that mindset. What I am of a mindset of is that, regardless of your home or away, you should create a chance in a game where you're playing against a team who, from November, have picked up 17 points in the league. And we didn't do that. I couldn't believe that when I saw it either. I mean, Cammy touched on the form there, but... You know, I I just look at it and think, how can the players not get it into their heads that this was a contender for the league and ultimately is a side that is one of the better in the division should probably claim a playoff place despite Cammy's... um, (laughs) negativity I might say but 
I, I don't know. It's, it's not just... even that. What it is is that even if even if the players were like, "Nah, I'm not doing that. I don't view Dunfermline as that." What they should be being told is, "If you win this tonight, we can win the league in the next game at home on the on the telly." Surely that is enough impetus. It's an, it should bring about the required desire to go. All right, okay, listen, we're in a bad situation just now. Performances haven't been good enough, but listen, let's just get together for even the next two games and just go, right, see this out and get it done. And I don't like to mention them, but you and Murray actually made a good point for the first time in his life, where he went, what is so much worse than the Brora result has been the reaction to the Brora result. I was going to say exactly that. It's a case of sort of making amends for those last two games, isn't it? And we didn't even look like doing that. Yeah, there's just be- the reaction has been no reaction, which is so much worse because you can get cup upsets, right? You can even get cup upsets to the magnitude of what ours was. But normally... I, I was lucky with a couple of my coupon at the weekend. I'll just add that in. Oh, well, I'm, I'm gutted to hear about it. But, but, but never mind. <laughs> but it it's one of those situations where you go as a team... Right, all come together. We cannot show that this is where we are now. And if anything, the last two games have shown that that wasn't a shock result. No, it, it wasn't. I mean, Cammy talked about numerous chances that the Pars had. And, and again, the one to wee Josh Edwards at left back proved, proved a decent opportunity. Cammy, I just... I don't know. It, I, I thought it was a case of thinking, from your perspective, that a goal was coming or was you seem to be of the mindset that there was more that fear of having not taken your chances that you feel as though the pars could have got punished yeah I mean I think when you consider those chances it did seem like a goal would be coming but then I think when you look at the second half performance from the pars other than the kind of Ewan Murray header late on and the Vitas header that went off the bar we we really didn't kind of create the same level of chances that we did obviously the chances earlier on in that first half were clear through and on goal kind of chances whereas these ones granted they were both free headers I think it was maybe Haring that in fact I was going to say one of them I want to say it was maybe even him both times that, that kind of let his marker slip and that obviously gave Vitas and Ewan Murray their opportunities but the Parsons never had the kind of same chances in that second half and I mean yes the performance was better as I've said a few times but it wasn't that good a performance and it's just I feel like times and there's going to be so many angry Hearts fans in my mentions shortly going, <laughs> ah, way yous are going to be in the championship next season. But like, I felt yous were there for the taking. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's rich coming from someone who's seen their team win about one in the past nine games. No, I but, get that. I totally get but that. But like, and... it just seems much like how we're there for the taking. It just, for once, actually seemed like you were too. When we'd met back in November... It was like a top of the table clash. It didn't seem like either team was there for the taking. Then when we met a bit later on, it's one one nil. Yes, the pars weren't very good on that day, but it didn't seem like either team was there for the taking. Whereas this game, it just seemed like both teams could have lost somehow and just made a whole new football result. And it wouldn't have surprised me in the slightest, given the form that both teams are in. No, it wouldn't. I, I was going to touch on exactly that, mate, because I, I've got to be honest. I feel as though you have outplayed us on at least two of the three meetings this season. I actually thought you performed better at Tiny or had more noteworthy chances at Tiny than you did on Saturday afternoon. But 
Daniel, I mean, it's it's not long after half time that Big Vitas does crash that header off the crossbar. Um, Declan McManus went quite close with an overhead kick, or was that just me? I thought he would. I thought it actually looked sort of nearer than than it potentially might have first appeared. But it got to the stage where I was thinking it's going to have to take for Dunfermline to score in order for us to wake up. Did you get that same feeling? Because just that sentence alone is is really damning as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What are you seen about the pause? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more so from our perspective and having to make amends for the last two results, mate. I fully, I fully agree. I would say I said this on Twitter after the game. I feel like we, we were the better side in the second half, as Cam alluded to. We managed to kind of limit the amount of chances and we were far more dominant. But that would have been hard not to do. If we'd come out and either been as bad or worse, we would have got absolutely battered. So it's not really an achievement that we were better in that second half. Um, there was it was just emblematic of pretty much the season where it was like, right, here's another game where we've had an awful first half, a fine second half, we've dropped points, and it was around the seven. 70th minute? 69th minute when Nondwele came on. That's right, yeah. And it was like, that's 70 minutes too late. I know that Robbie fucking is the most stubborn man and hates anything that isn't the 4 2 3 one, right? Listen, he, might, he, he likes a diamond sometimes. Sometimes, but generally it's only if people are so annoyed at him, then he'll go, right, fine. <laughs> He's got to be forced into change. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I've played football manager. Four two three one gag impress wins you everything, right? Unreal. So Unreal. I get it, I get it, I get it, Robbie. Have a wee libero in behind and a Mazala cutting in. Like that works fantastically in FM. This isn't Complete FM. wing backs, ball playing defenders. Exactly. Unreal. Inside forwards cutting in. Right? This is what we all want. And it would be amazing. Generally, I love a four two three one. Bayern in the Champions League last season played a 4-2-3-1 for ages, and it was class. But they've got hundreds of millions of pounds. <laughs> Look at their personnel in comparison. <laughs> but that's the thing. Robbie Nielsen seems to think we've got that level of investment in personnel. So he's like, if I keep doing this, Lewandowski will appear. It'll be class. We'll have Goretzka in the middle of the park and Kimmage spraying balls. What we actually have is Ewan Henderson... And Gary Mackay Stephen, who forget what football is most of the time. And you've got a striker who has actually come in, and we've been saying it for so many years that whenever a striker comes to hearts, they turn absolutely shit, or they're actually pretty good. They're never just fine. Till the time. Till the time. Yeah, like they're, they're never just kind of coming in and get a goal every three games for their whole career. They either start off amazing and then drop off completely or are never good. Nondwele so far, at least for now, is in that period of being really good. So just, why would you, why would you not start him? But then especially, why would you not change it at halftime? I couldn't believe we made zero changes and then as soon as that ball hit the bar, as soon as the overhead kick happened, I was like, this is we've not made any changes and we're just seeming to be like, nah, we'll ride it out. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we're like, no, we'll ride it out because we've got Craig Gordon. And depressingly, 
That is the key. Not depressingly that we have him, because as I said earlier, I shudder to think about where we'd be without oh, him. But, he's our most important player, without a doubt. I know you like Boyce, but... But yeah. I think they're very comparable. I think him yeah, and Boyce... No, of course. They've been our two best players for completely different reasons, but for both winning us points single-handedly. <laughs> um, and that was just it. It was like, I love him. I love him to death. But I feel bad for him that he has to keep getting us out of jail with no disrespect to the league. But in this fucking league... No, totally, mate. And, I mean, your mate, you and Henderson, blazed over. Big Pete sent one wide from a corner on the slide. But, again, I'm just left so uninspired. I thought Cammy alluded to the chance earlier where GMS hits it on the half volley, crossing for Liam Boyce. I totally agree with Yari Nandwili. I mean, again, I've been crying out for two up top for months upon end, so I was delighted to see us pick him up. And then the diamond came along. I was thinking, oh, this is good. We've got, we'd seem to have a decent alternative for when the four-two-three-one doesn't work. But it, I mean, I just and whilst the diamond it, generally hasn't really worked because it means that GMS has had to be in the tent and has been shit. Walkers had to either come off the bench and be good or start and be shit. And Naismith has been in the tent and been shit. The positive of the diamond have been Boyce and Nandwili together. Even though some have been saying absolutely. they're not really working as a partnership, how a partnership should work in terms of playing off each other and using each other's runs well, and stuff. Creates, it creates space for Boyce. Yeah, exactly. By doing their own individual thing, they benefit each other even if they don't necessarily mean to. No, of course. And despite all that, I mean, Cammy, I, I just felt as though Hearts wouldn't score in a month of Sundays. Were you sort of feeling the same as a, as an opposition fan? I mean, I think, as I said earlier on, as the game got uh, kind of into the latter stages, when Andre came on, Hearts, Hearts did come into the game and it, obviously getting the chances, but not very... Well, I'm saying they created chances, but they weren't very good chances. weren't testing Fawn Williams or whatever. I, I don't think Hearts would have scored it was just one of those games that obviously it seemed like neither team was going to score I think we probably could have played another 90 and no team would have scored it was just kind of one of those games um, they could have but... played up until now and neither would have scored <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah I mean I think it's weird Hearts are quite clearly the highest scoring team in the league and you kind of expect them just to score a few goals every game but yeah it just it just wasn't to be and I think you'll have these performances along the way obviously there's going to be Hearts fans again in my mentions after being angry at me earlier on for saying that they were there for the taking. But, I mean, they happen when you just don't really have a good day. Obviously, Hearts fans won't think that's acceptable. It's maybe just me sporting what folk will just go, ah, you sport a wee team. But, like, you just accept it. It's like there will be games. You can't win every game 5-6-0 as much as I think Hearts probably should be in this league. It just happens where things don't go wrong, obviously. Lots of players on international duty beforehand and just back. And whether that made a difference, I don't know. As you've mentioned, the changes, there's just so many factors into it. But I think ultimately, you have taken the foot off the gas. The jobs, we may as well say it's done. So I, I was going to say, I think perhaps it's a, it's a pressure thing and sort of half thinking that the job's really done. I don't know. I, I, get, this, I get this sort of feeling within this squad that it's when things are going well, it's great. But Again, it's like you say, the sort of foot off the gas. I've I've got that impression for a while, and I don't know why they're so cocky. Given we're in this division for a reason, but 
I mean, it just, I don't know. Daniel, obviously, we've touched on how poor we were offensively. Um, how we've kept a clean sheet, if we're going off it defensively, I will never know, given, like we've said, both Dunfermline centre-halves had opportunities to punish us with practically free headers. How have we still not learnt this lesson, particularly when you and Murray bagged one on our last trip to East End? Again, I think... I think it's kind of three reasons. One, I think we don't have very good defenders, generally, which I know is such a sweeping statement, right? Because we've got... It's an understatement of the year. Yeah, but it's like, I know you could go, well, what are you talking about? You've got Michael Smith, Northern Ireland International, Shea Logan, one of the best players of the last like few years when you go back to kind of yeah exactly like he's run at Aberdeen he's been fantastic Craig Halkett former Livingston captain Christoph Berra 263 appearances for the club Uh, hey listen I've got the fucking stats right I've got them here Uh, and then you've got folk like Mihai Popescu who did well in the game previously when he was at St Mirren you've got Aidy White who was like one of the most hotly tipped youngsters when he was at Leeds and stuff like that oh you were doing so well till those last two no 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 my point is this so my point is but none of them barring Smith have actually been consistently good this season Smith has obviously as I've said went off the boil a couple of times, right? Especially in February. Smith just seemed to have the worst month he's ever had at this club. But... Like we said, ever since he signed that deal. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. Kingsley's oh, been the same. Kingsley's been <laughs> awful. Well, not awful, but Kingsley has been very poor um, since he signed his new, new, uh, new deal. But listen, Shea Logan did well. Michael Smith did well. How can I feel like... His first half was awful. His first two passes were basically at the park. It's a way of a murder, man. But I feel like Halkett was actually pretty dominant in the air when he was asked. But generally, it, you're, you're very right there. Halkett's been so lucky this season that arguably two of our worst players has been his partner. So therefore, he looks better by association. <laughs> it's than, just like, than the other. Yes, exactly. So it's like when Popescu's beside him, you go, fucking hell, at least Halkett isn't he just running about, kicking stuff, falling over and passing the opposition. And when Berra's there, you go, well, at least Halkett can move. Like, he has that going for him. But so often, he's been way below the standard. A.D. White was awful. Was absolutely Again, like awful. Said, that, that counter in behind him countless times. I mean, touching on the Halkett thing, I, I've said it's unrealistic and there's no chance of happening. I think if if Hearts were to make it, their best signing of the summer would be Declan Gallagher. If, I, if I agree, interested. but I, I, it won't happen. Like won't, I'm telling no, you now, it no, won't happen. No, no, no um, you're right. But I, I was going to ask you, because you've mentioned Shea Logan there. I, I, again, I, I'm not going to go back on my word because I can't say I'm overly thrilled with the signing, particularly when I saw Cammy Logan on the bench at Ibrox for Cove Rangers. But... I did think he was good on Saturday, and you said that he was one of our best three performers. I would love to hear your others. So my other two are Herring and Gordon. Because the reason that I give Herring is more just because he looked back to his old self, where it was like... Because previously this season, most notably Dundee away and the air at home earlier, he just looked like a different human being. It was like, that isn't Peter Herring. No, Peter Herring doesn't have performances like that. 
He was terrible at Dens, like you say. That's what I mean, yeah, exactly. It just yeah. didn't look like him. Yeah, he was. Whereas, on the weekend, he didn't do anything flashy, and as Cami said, he lost his marker quite a few times at set pieces. But generally over the 90, I never felt worried when Heron got the ball, which is what I'm so used to feeling when any other of our midfielders get the ball. I'm like, right, okay, what are you going to do with it? We need to find an avenue here. Whereas on Saturday with Herring, it was like, oh yeah, it's Peter Herring. Like, I saw he had a 97% pass accuracy. And it's not one of those pass accuracies where it's like he just kept passing back to his centre-halves. He only passed back to the centre-halves 20 times out of 137 passes. How on earth have you come with all this prep? This is the most prepared you've ever been. <laughs> I, I've for. never been this prepared, ever. It's because you're hosting and I'm showing you up. That's what's happening here. <laughs> I'm not. I guarantee it's because you think there was such a lack of action that you think, I'll just chuck in some stats and yeah. the team is always so spectacle. <laughs> Absolutely. And then obviously, because we're going to come to, I imagine next, the moment of the game, Craig Gordon, because he's the best goalkeeper in the country... Barring, barring probably the only other person that you could cover in it is Alan McGregor. Like, he's the only other keeper who's done well. But, I said on Twitter, on midweek, Craig Gordon kept a clean sheet in a World Cup qualifier with Premier and Champions League quality players in front of him. And he had to come back to A.D. White and Craig Halkett in front of him and still managed to keep a clean sheet. That's how good he is. Hey, maybe maybe Cammy's right in that Vitas claim up against all these Italians and he's up against Shea Logan. The stand the standards is not the same. It's not the same. Listen, I, I think we've done well, lads, to drag out the the lack of mac, match action there. But I do have a question for the period. I'll come to you first, Cammy, because it just whenever I see these post match comments, they honestly it does my boxing. Robbie Nielsen said that he felt as though Hearts players need a decapitation in order to win penalties. Because, I'm not going to lie, I don't feel as though we had a reasonable claim. In I've no idea what he's talking about! No. I've no idea what moments he means! I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I, I'm racking my brain here. I genuinely have no idea what he's on about. Good. That, that, that's fine. Just, just wanted to gain both your. That's not even me. That's that. even me saying that as a Powers fan. I genuinely have no recollection of anything that could have been classed as a penalty. I swear we like, once called for a handball, but that that's not a foul. That's a handball. Like, and I don't even think it was a handball, but I saw a bunch of us claiming it. But it's like, well, that's unrelated to decapitations. Listen, Cammy, you've got every right to feel the way that you do because we're going to be biased bastards and we couldn't even see a penalty claim, mate, so don't worry about it. Um, obviously, the, the last time you were on, though, we were discussing when uh, Craig Levine was sacked, given the, the BBC documentary um, and the sort of various names that were being abandoned about. What, what do you make of the current scrutiny that Robbie Nielsen's under as an outsider looking in? Was it that long ago I was honestly on? Yeah. Yeah, the BBC documentary, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a class documentary. I'll say I, I'd got to comment on the first two parts. Say when I was on, never got to then comment on the third part. But yeah, that that was class. Ba- thanks for that, they, mate. Thanks for showing um, us up there. <laughs> <laughs> obviously not a, not obviously not another Hearts one. But yeah, I think I, I'd certainly welcome another series like that. But as with Nielsen, I mean, I think it's understandable to an extent, but at the same time, 
he's a man who knows how to get teams out the championship. He's done it with yourselves previously. He's going to do it again. He done it at Dundee United last season. He'll be at Dundee next season. He'll take them up. No, it's I, just I, I, you said you said Crawford was under a bit of pressure. I was going to ask him, could you see a a a, a sort of uh I don't know a jaunt to the kingdom to in order to get Dunfermline where they arguably belong. I hope not, because he'll bring Crawford back as assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking of possible candidates, so a band that I've said, whilst there's people on the Pars forum actually mentioning Craig Levine, I was like, Christ, if we're not Lord. bad enough. But <laughs> someone, keep, in keeping with this, actually, I've actually so, said Stendhal, and now there's a few reasons oh, for this. The German now, ownership, innit? Well, German ownership... Thomas Megal, who is our sporting director and one of the investors, actually played with Stendhal at St. Pauli. So there's <sighs> that already that unreal. connection. He's that German. Would be unbelievable. He, from as far as I could tell, Stendhal loves Scotland. He's still out of work. And I mean I can just see the powers going for a German manager. Why why are we gonna pick up well, jo- I was gonna say John I'd Hughes, just because he's like a typical name that gets linked for jobs, but like one I, of the I would be human John Hughes, if we get Craig Levine or just some diddy like that. I'm want like granted Craig Levine's well, you maybe see he's a diddy, obviously he's a manager who's done who's had success at clubs, but I just want to see the powers do something different. We're a club trying to build ourselves up. I don't want to see us go back to the Middle Ages and pick up some some old boy. But yeah, as for going back to the script about Nielsen went off on a complete tangent there. I mean I think you can certainly be upset with the way how things have went for the past few months, but then when you consider the main objectives for Hearts this season was get out of the championship. Oh, He's done God. that. He's going to oh, do it. And you are going to sit there and go, oh, no, oh. we should have won this and that. <laughs> right, wait, 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 let's wait. be honest. What did you really expect? Oh, right. If you were offered... From the line here. Wait, 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 wait. I knew this was... Right, hold on. I knew this was going to happen. So, Cammy, Cammy, I'll speak to you. I'll He's speak trolling. to you, right? I, I hope he gets dogs abuse on Twitter for this. Cammy, I'll speak to you here. Because Adam, I think, might just hit you. He'll reach oh through the screen God. and hit you. So... I can feel the rage building. I think so. The problem that a lot of Hearts fans have with the narrative that's currently being put in the media by individuals like, for example, Craig Levine, Chris Sutton spoke about it midweek, and that argument yourself, I totally get it, right? The argument is, Robin Nielsen had what he would have walked in when he got the job and there would have been a blank bit of paper with one sentence, win the league, right? Everything else would have been completely... It would have just been fucked off because it's like no, Largely irrelevant. yeah, we need to be up here. the The problem that most Hearts fans have is that <clears throat> it's not Adam particularly. <laughs> <laughs> is that it's not just the last few results, few performances, even this season, right? It's it's that this season is kind of a perfect summary of the last four and a half years. That it's. A team that should be massively outperforming what they currently are with a boardroom of people who are making decisions that many feel they aren't qualified to do or put trust, faith, whatever you want to call it, in people who perhaps shouldn't be given that level of trust and faith. So me and Adam, listen, we've had arguments on this podcast. We have different views on why Nielsen should go. At... I understand Nielsen being given more time and I wouldn't necessarily be against it in the grand scheme of things if I looked at the big picture. However, I understand where Hearts fans are coming from where it's like, at the end of the day, 
our budget is so much bigger than not just people in this league, most clubs in the country. For the decline that we've been on, I think it was This Is My Story put on Twitter, if we don't finish in the top six next year, it will be in our top five worst runs in our club's history in terms of league position, trophies won, etc, 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 points, totals and stuff like that. So, Adam will just kick off at you and go, no, it's just this fucking media thing. Whereas, I totally get, <laughs> I totally get where you're coming from and I think a lot of Hearts fans do. However, it's more that, it's more that this season just is like, many people knew this was going to happen, which is worse than it actually happening. Adam, is that fair? Or am I just being too nice? As people say on Twitter, I'm just apparently a budge happy clapper and like, I just get dogs abused. Me and Thomas got ripped apart for last week's comments. Do you think that's fair? Or do you, or would you say no, that's actually quite a good summary? Um, do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too caught up in the, the exciting rumours that are swirling around at the minute. Don't I, say I, I, exciting rumours and then Derek McInnes in the same fucking sentence, please. Do <laughs> not no, say that. No, do you know, he, he wasn't the one I was going to mention. Okay. Um, as for that summary... Yeah, do you know, I, 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 Cammy? How many times when oh, I come to college? Anyway. No, it's happening many, anyway. No, no, I just wanna, <laughs> I just want to ask Cammy a simple question. How many times would I come into college depressed, given hearts at the weekend? I can think of one instance where I actually came in to Marie's class on a Monday with a smile on my face, and that was after we pumped Celtic four 0 As for the rest of it, I think for the most part, I was I was dour faced because we're gash. And so. so- so, how, how's this Robbie Nielsen's fault? Oh, no. <laughs> well, see, this is, so this is where I agree. He's trolling now. He's right, trolling. no. So, this is where I get the argument because I've said all season that Robbie Nielsen cannot fix four and a half years of mismanagement in a single season. Right? It's because he left. This is the it, problem. That is the thing, yeah. Literally, since the day he left. There you go, Cammy. There's your answer. <laughs> however, my, the argument that a lot of people are using is. Well, actually, I would kind of just use this argument. I love Robbie Nielsen, right? I know a lot of people don't. I know a lot of people actually dislike the guy, so a part of the anger towards him is fueled from that. I love him. I'm 50-50. Yeah, I, love him. I love the guy. Nothing's going to change that. People will hate me for that, but I can view this season aside for what he's contributed to this club is so much more. And he's still going to win us the week, regardless. Like... So he still technically won a thing. But my stance is just that you can't you can't be the manager of a football club, have the worst result in that club's history, then have a shocking result the next week, then a pretty poor result the week after, and survive it. So I'm not happy about it, but I understand the need for Nielsen to go. But yes, Nielsen is only a cog in a machine it's the actual machine that needs to be changed, which is the way the entire club is run. He's a star in a galaxy of fuck-ups. Yes, that's exactly. Hey, so, I'm going to jump in here again, and Adam is going to probably run through oh and, and batter me here. But when you look at Robbie Nielsen's record as Hearts manager, now correct me if I'm wrong here, so oh, he, he took over and he won you the championship, he then took you to a third-place finish, he then fucked off 10k downs. He's returned to when the club's in turmoil. He's taking his back up again. How, how can you be raging about that? Oh, I take that in the past all day, every day. <laughs> See, oh, my so, God. But, like, 
You're, you're painting the pretty picture. You didn't see Burkakara, Brora Rangers, <laughs> Aloha. I've literally never faced abuse like this in the past week. I don't want to hear it. Right. Hi, Cammy. Right, listen, Cammy. You and me can have a, a discussion, right? Because I, again, I get that. And that's kind of my view, right? Which is why I love him. Because it's like, yeah, generally, as a manager, I saw a thing where people were trying to show how good Derek McInnes has been as a manager because he's got the third highest Unreal. points total and stuff like that. Robin Nielsen's fifth. Robin Nielsen's had fewer games. He's only managed one full season in the Prem. But this is the point. And this is, I don't understand how this happens every time when I'm arguing for Nielsen, when I don't even necessarily agree with it. But my only argument, and off the back of what Cammy's point is, I... As Thomas said last week, I wouldn't be against Nielsen getting a run of fixtures, right? But, no, but I'm not saying that I want that. I'm saying that I wouldn't massively kick off if it happened. I would be disappointed. But, you recruits though, mate. But, but this is the thing. It's more emblematic of, we've just seen today, that a, a new head analyst has been asked, where... Oh. Right, and stuff. What a buzz that was. I loved all the replies to that eh? that post. But that's what I mean. It's more that we need to build something, and I do get Cam. You would probably respond to this with, "Well, build something under Nielsen." And that's the thing. I'm not again. I'm not against that. I think Nielsen would get us back to being a, a eventually a top four side, top three side, whatever you want to say, because Robbie has proved that he can do that with this club, as you say, first full season third, left us in second, won the championship, the best championship team that the league's ever seen, and we're now about to fucking fall over the line doing it again. But a lot of the issues that people have is more about with the style of football, with the way that we're playing, with, as Adam said, recruits. His recruitment this time around has been pretty disastrous. Craig Gordon, that anybody could have decided to make that a non-dwelly, I've really only Steve, been Stephen Kingsley maybe Kingsley yeah overall you'd say yeah uh, and then Nondwili has been good Shea Logan has had a game <laughs> and you go that's I'm good of, I'm trying to think of others racking my brain but I know that's Jordan it. Roberts is in the form of his life for Motherwell that's a good laugh yeah exactly but it's more it's more the bigger picture and I feel I feel bad for Nielsen because I, again I said this on Twitter I feel the personal attacks to him are ridiculous he's not doing this deliberately he cares about the club. He wants. Josh Janelli's another. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah, of course. He on Robbie's side. Yeah. Um, he wants to do well for the club. It would be stupid for him to go. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in the position where we win the league, and then fuck it right at the end. Like he's not going to do that deliberately. He's he's going to try and win the league. So, as it's become the joke of this podcast that we have totally different views, despite kind of getting to the same conclusion. I totally understand what your argument is, Cammy, and it is the argument of most people just now where they look at the results and they go, how on earth can you complain? Whereas it's more like... It's one of those situations, listen, Newcastle are my English team. It happens a lot with Newcastle where people go, well, what are they expecting? Newcastle fans want Champions League football every year. They want Europa League every football. It's like, no, that isn't the problem. That isn't the situation. The situation is much more intimate and it is unfair for people who are asked about it 
who don't watch it and then they get dogs abuse like Adam is currently giving you for posing questions. But it, it, it's such a complicated debate. There is no right answer to it because there's so many factors. With it. You, Cammy, your argument could be completely justified, be proven right if we give Nielsen time and then everybody will look back and go, God, mind that year where we were just like, we need to get him out, blah, blah, blah. blah. But it could go the way that Adam thinks where it's like, we go up, come straight back down, become a yo-yo club, or it could happen what I think, and is that regardless, next season, whoever we've got in charge, we're not going to get relegated, but I don't think we're going to have a successful season. Yeah, I mean, I think the the simple way to, to sum it all up is football fans are arseholes. Yes. Um, but, like, okay. obviously, as much as I've kind of just defended Robbie there, I personally wouldn't have him in charge next season. I can understand Hearts fans' <laughs> reservations. I know hold that I just completely no, against what I've said. Hang, no, hang on, hang on. Let, no, let me clarify something. Hearts right, fans are wanting Robbie gone like now and have wanted him gone for weeks while he's been top of the table. Don't you I can't dare understand. say let him see out the season and no. get him that medal. No. Don't you well, dare. Why are you punt him for like two games? What, what's the point? Oh, <laughs> God. But like... Don't... So let him go on a high and then just leave it at that and then go and start afresh I think I think oh what, what Daniel God. says is probably true you, you're just looking at it all doing gloom thinking you're going to get like do a breaking in the premiership here <laughs> it won't happen Hearts as I've said have the budget obviously a drastically different situation to when he's went up last time granted there was lots of youth in that team and it just seemed to work really well he's now have a bit of I'm saying cash behind you but like you kind of Get what oh, I mean, the it's completely different Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are uh, in a But, like, I could see Hearts being an attractive team. Oh, Hearts being an attractive team, even in the Championship, but I, I can't see Nielsen being the next season, purely because I think he'll end up at Dundee. But Interesting. I think he's done uh, Finland bound. I hope They're, not, as I said <laughs> earlier on. But, like, Stendhal's knocked back the Pompey gig. <laughs> now it'll be the bars. See, well, that's it, the rumour. This t- Today, funnily enough, you say that. The rumour is today on kickback, so you know, it's definitely happening, um, <laughs> that that's what's happening. Robbie's going to get to the end of the season and be told, right, thank you, you've done what was asked, we're moving in a different direction, and apparently an unnamed manager has verbally basically agreed to be the manager well, and is already putting in place stuff. Well, it's funny you say that because I did get a message from a listener um, and it's obviously this whole verbal agreement thing. However, the listener, who will remain unnamed, because I don't want to give out the source like that, he said, seen that post from the guy on Kickback, I have spoken to a few of the players, and they have all said that Nielsen is staying, and there's been no chat whatsoever about someone else coming in. However, going back to the original Kickback rumour, I think the manager in question is Derek McInnes, because there's been various (sighs) names linked to the post in recent weeks. Derek McInnes, who... I thought his comments were actually really interesting on the panel for Rangers versus really? Cove Rangers. No, because he was talking about an exciting if an exciting project came back up or came up, he'd look to get back in kind of as soon as. We've talked about Alex Neal as well with the Joe Savage link and whatever, but I wanted to ask you, Daniel, <laughs> going back to kick back again, because Duncan Ferguson is the latest one that's been plucked out of thin air. What do you make of that? Right. First of all, I just want to quickly say, Derek McInnes gave the most stereotypical answer he can possibly give. He went, I'm enjoying my time out there now with the family, playing some golf, but (laughs) if a club comes up, I'll take it. He's not going to go on. No, no, an exciting project. He didn't say any club. 
say Sterling Alby and get rid of Kevin Rukovic's Zamora. He's not going <laughs> to hop up to <laughs> hop along through there, is he? No, but no manager's got to stand on press for the first time they've been on TV since the second and go, get him what, I'm done, lads. I'm all right. I'm enjoying golf. It's class. But He'll will end up as sports regulars. Exactly, exactly. But to answer your Duncan Ferguson comments, first of all, it's not going to happen. <laughs> of course it's not. Right? I'd like to think we can attract better clients and better applicants than that. Mainly just because I think his relationship with the SFA like Andy just, seems he seems to have a good gig at Everton with well, he and Carlo Ancelotti are pretty tight, aren't they? Well this is the thing. He's an Everton legend. He clearly is loving life with Ancelotti because who wouldn't? It's Carlo Ancelotti. Why would he want to come don't. up here and work with Lee McCulloch? Right? I know that <laughs> McCulloch was probably Lee Nielsen. But from a football tactical game perspective, it would be fucking disastrous, right? Because he's got no experience in management. I don't know what he's like in terms of... All I remember is that he brought on Moise Keane and then took him off like 12 minutes later and it was an awful situation and Moise Keane eventually no, left Everton to go to UV. Was it that wasn't. Was tre- no, it was. It that literally was ruined sh- the guy's <laughs> career at a club. It was not tremendous. For the sheer shithousery alone, I thought that was amazing. Do you know what? The whole Duncan Ferguson talk, to me, it just seems like if Celtic were to appoint Roy Keane. It's like, what it the is, is Hearts fans going, we've got too soft a team. But he wouldn't have a scooby what to do on the park. Yeah, it's like, Hearts fans are complaining. Hearts fans are complaining that we've got too soft a team, they deck in what they're doing, they deck in what it means to play for the club. You d- they just want Duncan Ferguson to come in and bam everybody up. Batter everybody, replace them with 11 Roy Keens on the park and him, and just us kick the shit out of people, and then we might get relegated. So no is your answer to Duncan Ferguson. Gabby? Yeah, I mean, I think it is definitely the hearts does at, at, at this rumour. It is, as you say, Adam, it's the Roy Keane equivalent uh, for, for the Celtic rumours. It's yeah. it's just weird. I think everyone wants to kind of see a lot of passion and stuff, but they don't want... Uh, it's, just, it's just weird It's. It's kind of a bygone era, I guess you could say, of having teams yeah. like that. Yes, you do have some teams yeah. who who are tough tackling and that, but you, you don't need some former football hard man. Why not throw Vinnie Jones's name into the ring? And <laughs> just it, it's just like it's just a weird kind of obsession that folk have when managers like I I, I like having a like a tough tackling centre midfielder, but I'm not wanting a boy who goes headbutting folk. Yeah, like it's not quite the kind of player I'm. Levine said that just... on Sports Sound recently as well, didn't he? Where you can't really shout and go through the players as much anymore. Yeah, football's totally, totally changed. Even in the last decade, never mind them since Ferguson stopped playing. Like, it's just, it's a totally different environment, and it's why the Roy Keane, Celtic rumours, the Ferguson, the US rumours, they just will never materialise because it would be a disaster from a footballing point of view. No, of course. And, um, well, listen, before we wrap up, Cammy, I've got to establish something because we, <laughs> we mentioned Derek McInnes and his comments. <sighs> Obviously, Daniel and I have split loyalties. I mean, it's not exactly tricky to guess sort of what side's which. Um, but when it comes to Derek McInnes as a potential Hartman Lothian manager, which side of the fence are you on? Do you see it as a good appointment? 
a, de- a you know a shrewd manager and would elevate us like Aberdeen, or is it a a case of him being a more experienced Robbie, as I've seen bandied about on Twitter? I mean, you thought Robbie Nielsen's football's bad enough. You want to bring up a guy whose team could score for ten games? Yes, I mean, Tommy. Yes, Tommy. Uh, I mean, yes, McInnes obviously had what seemed a really secure job at Aberdeen. It, he was always kind of just doing what he had to. He was finishing third, obviously, was finishing Safest second, job in world and stuff. All their fans said, didn't yeah. They? I mean, he was safe. He, he was doing it all well, and I think that maybe elevated people's perception of him. Yes, he, he had to obviously beat the teams below to ensure he had that position, but. I, I'm not sure. I think there's, there's certainly something there. Maybe Stephen Robinson's a bit of a different shout. He obviously took Motherwell and kind of grew them. But it's Third like on both. My shortlist. I'd, I'd, that'd be like bottom of the bottom of the rung for me, if you like. Like both Robinson and McInnes both kind of hit a wall, and like McInnes obviously got the kind of cup wins and stuff, but couldn't quite elevate Aberdeen that extra step. And it was kind of the same with with Robinson. Obviously, got them to the multiple finals and two in the same the, season. The, I think like. Yeah, and they just, oh, granted, they were both against Celtic, if I'm not wrong, so you can't yeah, really right. be too upset when you lose two finals against Celtic, who won, what, 12 trophies on the bounce or whatever. Thanks, like, thanks for reminding us of that. Cheers, mate. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I, I'm always a fan of trying something different, as I, as I think, going by my Stendhal count as puzzles, they're not different to Hearts fans, obviously, who Stendhal is, but just... Actually, opening it up and seeing who's out there, obviously, when there was that whole documentary that we kind of referenced earlier on, there was similar, all these applicants from far far and wide, and you just wonder who these folk are, and it's just you'd like to see something different, but you could certainly understand, given the kind of typical Scottish pessimism, why, why you want to play it safe. But I think teams can't afford to play it safe. Yes, you're probably not going to dethrone Celtic or Rangers unless you have like a Leicester City fairy tale season, but... There's no reason why you can't. This is sounding like some inspirational speech that you, I don't know, see on some film or something. But like, there's no reason why you can't like dream and just kind of hope for for better things. And yeah, McInnes probably not for me. Robinson, I've mentioned him again, probably not for me. But if one of the two of them got it, I don't think I'd be too surprised. Well, I think ending it on a big heroic speech couldn't be a better way after the dross that we saw at the weekend to end on some but positivity. But we'd get a better one if Duncan Ferguson finished that he'd get the boys right up for it. That's true and then they'd go and get all sent off and we'd forfeit every game possible. But yeah, so somehow lads, we've managed to we thought, okay, lucky to get past ten minutes. We've been going for nearly an hour and a half. Come on! I knew I could do it. Yes! Well done. Well done, Adam. You should be very... That'll be a first for you, Adam. <laughs> well oh, done. Lasted that long. Hey, my parents are listening to this. That's a more <laughs> us way of ending it. That's more on brand for the quality of content that you get here. But yeah, if you have enjoyed this, we are at Bertha Paisley. You can get us on everything like that. Uh, we're also on YouTube. All to search at Petapaisley. Cami, thank you so much for coming back on and for being our first ever returning guest. Where can people get you online and on social media? Uh, so, yeah, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Cami Anders. Uh, obviously, my name's Cami Anderson, so just take the O-N off and, and there you go. That's my, my Twitter, at nice and simple. You'll get to see me moan about the pars and just general kind of championship nonsense there. Um, and... 
yeah, also do the Pure Championship podcast, as I've said a few times. So that's on the kind of Pure Football feed, uh, just all your usual podcasty places. Fantastic. Adam, where can they get you going absolutely ballistic with the hashtags? They can get me, <laughs> me going ballistic at the hashtags and see all my tweets regarding Daniel Stendhal's promotion party bus with Dunfermline <laughs> next season at Adam T. Kendall and yourself, mate. I am at dmciver22. We'll be back next week to inevitably discuss Hearts having another bad performance on a Friday night at, on the BBC. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. And we'll see you all next time. Keen of faith, money JTs. 